Welcome to Conservative Patriot Nation, new members and returning members. Today we have a very, very, very special guest. Um, I consider her the queen of truth, and um, she's a conspiracy theorist. <laughs> well, that's what the bad people will call her. But she's shedding light on so much truth that we have been hidden from since a kid until adulthood. Um I'm very honored to have Carrie Cassidy on here. I appreciate the interviews that she um, she has. So if you don't know of her, please go to Project Camelot. Um, you can find her on Rumble, BitChute. And uh, I recently learned that they finally bring her YouTube back up. Um, the enemy don't win. So uh, if you don't know of Carrie Cassidy, she's interviewing some whistleblowers that are not with us anymore, um, those that have been falsely imprisoned, and um, a dead whistleblower is not a liar, and uh, it's just an honor to uh, receive some truth. I mean, um, many of us have cognitive distance when it comes to ET talk and all that good stuff, but uh, I think if you watch some of Carrie's interviews, you guys will learn there's a lot of truth that has been hidden from humanity and Carrie, welcome to Conservative Patriot Nation. Hi, can you hear me? Okay, <laughs> very clear. All right, great. Uh, so yeah, hi everyone. Uh, nice to be here tonight, and uh, happy to hear whatever you guys have to to talk to me about. And um, hopefully, we'll have a fun discussion. Most definitely, I I want to. I, I wrote down a, a list of things, the topics to speak about, and uh, I'd like to get that done quick because I know your time is very valuable, and I know a lot of people on here would like to indulge and enjoy Q&A. So the first thing I'd like to bring up, um, as I've learned, I, I've been doing a lot of uh, Amazon Prime looking at some ET researchers and Linda um and and the guys that that dug into the MJ12 and what I've learned from watching that is there's aliens, ETs, well the negative aliens. I'm gonna I call them aliens and ETs, positive and negative that sit with some of the world's governments. And is Washington being controlled by aliens? If you could speak on that. Sure. Uh, yes. And I actually wrote an article recently addressing that question because there was a reporter out there. I forget what newspaper they were with, but they started their That was their question in, you know, this was a mainstream kind of a question. I think it, it could have been um, actually, I'm not sure. It could have been zero hedge, but I'm not sure. But anyway, uh, I just thought I'd lead off with that in an article to answer the question because they don't really answer that question the way I would answer it. <laughs> uh, with all my, I've been doing this for 17 years now. And so our, all our whistleblowers, it, it's just like a no brainer. Uh, you know, we're dealing with ET races uh, both on and off planet and uh, now alien AI as well. And we have something like um, what, according to one of my whistleblowers that I consider one of the best whistleblowers we've ever had, which is Captain Mark Richards. He says uh, that we have at least four invading alien AI that do not have our best interests at heart. 
<laughs> if you want to call it that, um, at this moment, at this time. He said that actually two years ago. So there could be more by now. And uh, we also have human-derived AI, which are sort of either working together or could could work with the aliens. You know, it's up to the AI what they want to do. But um, they are are definitely operational. Q, uh, the Q team has an AI that they rely on. And uh, the generals and Q, a certain, you know, the portion that's also affiliated under Trump with the Space Force, et cetera. And then on top of that, we have uh, contesting AIs, even, uh, you know, in charge of the financial system as it happens. So it's uh, kind of a crazy game right now. And according to my witness, uh, he says that generals have gotten so they can't necessarily trust any AI because they don't know you know, which one they're talking to, which one is, is to be trusted. Now they use a lot of methods to, to find um, some level of comfort, I guess you might say with the AI they're dealing with. And that's my understanding with the Q team. They've got an AI that they're dealing with, but it's not only the AI. So they're using remote viewers, psychics, you know, intuitives, and they're all, you know, they use everything at their disposal, just like the dark side. So at this time, we're really in the middle of a war between light and dark and between saving our country and really the planet, uh, the sovereignty of this planet uh, and, and so on. So definitely governments are dealing with various alien races um, and uh, some are, you know, China is sort of associated with and being helped by a certain ET race, uh, maybe more than one. And the same with uh, our military is split among various alien races, apparently. And they're controlling, attempting to control as well as uh, the AIs that they work with. According to Mark Richards, any spacefaring nation uh, that goes out into space will create an AI so that's just a no-brainer for those that have space travel and are would obviously be coming here. We have inner Earth civilizations as well, operational, and some are starting to contact um, our surface, uh, you know, groups, whatever you want to say. In the past, they tried to stay away from us. Uh, the, I'm talking about inner Earth civilizations, although there are some that are what you might call more negatively based. In other words, they're, um, you know, it's always from the point of view of, you know, who's ever looking at the situation. So we see it in terms of, uh, you know, do they have, uh, are we aligned in terms of our goals and objectives in, in the world and the, the multiverse at large? Or are they trying to get rid of us, trying to take our, our land and our sovereignty and maybe kill our people and so on? These are all considerations that people have to consider now. Uh, way back when we started, and like I said, been doing this um, about 17 years, one of my early interviews was with, was with um, an ET communicator who went on crash retrievals, and his name is Clifford Stone. Um, I think he's 
passed on now, although I'm not really sure. Uh, for some reason, I can't quite pinpoint that. But at any rate, um, he he was helping the military. And he said, and back in those days, they said there was around 57 ET races that they were dealing with here on Earth that were coming and going. Solar Warden is patrolling our, our space, uh, you know, our um, solar system and the borders of our solar system. So, and that's made up of our military, as well as uh, various ET races that are also supporting us and helping us. So it's a very complex story. I actually have 12 interviews with Captain Mark Richards that I'm putting into a book. And uh, once I release that book, um, you know, you can go on my site right now and watch it, all 12 interviews, of course. And they all have transcripts, by the way. Most of them have actually written transcripts that go along with them. But I'm going to be uh, compiling that. And once you see that, you'll see the depth to which we are dealing with off-planet races. So I realize that, you know, Trump and Juan Osavin, who I've had a fair amount of dealing with, uh, they don't want to talk about this. Okay. So they just, they're completely silent on this stuff, this, the subject of our ET and uh, AI, you know, inter interfacing, but uh, this is, is front and center. And it's very crucial when you come to the war with Ukraine, for example, and I wrote an article about that just recently too. Yeah. I heard an interview when you were talking about Ukraine and, and how those, uh, uh, I don't know if you want to say Illuminati or whatnot. There's a mountain in Ukraine where they think Satan lives or something like that. That's correct. And um, I'm just going to put this on the screen. I think this will show up. Yeah, this was just published on, I think it might have been mail online. Um, I just made a copy of it. So let me see if I can get this up here. This looks like a, kind of the battlefield that they're generating over in that area of the world and um, some of the stuff going on. So if you're not aware, they're actually saying in the next couple of days that uh, they think, I don't know, some kind of bombardment is going to begin. Now there's a lot of propaganda coming out of the UK. Uh, and so this is one of their newspapers releasing this diagram, but it's, it's better than the U it's better than the U S um, that doesn't tell you anything. <laughs> so uh, at least it's, it's uh, a start and you can start to visualize what, uh, what this kind of playing field is looking like. So I think that's pretty interesting, but yes, there is a mountain uh, that we've been told in Ukraine. It might be around Kiev. Um, Kiev. I'm not, you know, I'm not positive, but it it's, it's basically a, uh, a dark magic mountain where the Illuminati believe the saying is that uh, the devil lives there. Now that's probably more of a metaphor because it's, it's more likely that it's a reptilian group and maybe some command center, command and control center. So my premise in my article and, and even right here, I will say is that I don't think there's a war going on with Ukraine at all in the sense that people are thinking about it. I think that this war is being drummed up because Russia and Ukraine and the U.S. Um, 
secret space program all know that this is getting out of hand, that the alien race that is occupying that mountain may be, you know, making incursions, maybe, you know, they're, they're taking a lot of people off planet, slave ships, whatever it is. Uh, I don't, I'm not party to that part of it. I, I'm just saying, and this is my intuitive take, okay, based on everything I see and have heard, um, that there's some part of this so-called war with Ukraine that's all um, manufactured in a sense, but it's very likely to do with, uh, which actually a lot of historical incidents that we think were just earthly based have helped, had to do with off planet races, including the Vietnam war, by the way. And I've got more than one verification on that. Um, you know, so I can, I don't know where people want to go with things, but, um, you know, I can talk uh, uh, for a fair amount of time about this type of subject. Yeah, most definitely. Like I said, I, I was listening, I was, well, I deliver. So I was listening to a lot of your interviews and, I know a lot of people are um, pretty angry, pissed off, and awakening to the whole child trafficking thing. And one thing in your interview that I went to your YouTube and it was like clips with you and Robert David Steele. And you were explaining about the child trafficking. A lot of that is being done off planet. And I don't think any, a lot of people don't know about that. Sure. Uh, well, they don't, what they don't know, um, is that, you know, that the, the reptilian ships, okay. Under cover of war is the perfect time for them to gather a bunch of humans. So when you get humans that are, um, basically, um, immigrating, going, crossing borders, homeless, uh, displaced by war and, uh, you know, famine, whatever it happens to be, that's when the, the, uh, the reptilians can come in and scoop up a lot of humans. They use them for sex. They use them for, uh, for food, for um, all kinds of, you know, slaves, you name it. And they also sell them to other races, believe it or not. So problems we have, you know, as above, so below are, are it's all the same in the, you know, extended multiverse here. So when you're dealing with a problem here on earth, there's the exopolitical side of it which is operational as well. You'll never understand what's going on on planet earth. If you don't bring in the exopolitics and of course, 99% of the media, whether it be alternative or mainstream, never talk about that. So, you know, you think you're getting the news, but you're not getting all the news ever in essence. Yeah. And that's how they're able to control uh, many belief systems through that propaganda machine. Right. And it also, you know, I mean, I've talked at, about this at length, but it also has to do with the races. So we are composite of the alien, what you might call alien DNA. As Bob Dean would say, one of my top witnesses, uh, we come from the stars and we will return from to the stars. So most of us, if I understand it correctly, are from Lyra. Some people say it a different way, but any Lyra and, um, you know, Lyra is a humanoid, was a humanoid uh, civilization. And uh, from there, it, you also get branches, which is the Palladians, various groups of Palladians. Some of the Palladians are more warlike than others. And 
what became the Anunnaki was a humanoid race that got invaded by the reptilians and taken over and made into hybrids. So that's where you get a hybrid, which is actually, you know, we call them an Anunnaki. But if you look at the carvings in on the temples in Iran, Iran and Egypt, uh, Mesopotamia, you're you're talking about you're seeing these large beings. Um, some of them hold humans on their laps, so you can see the scale of, of different size. Um, and you'll see, you know, humanoid beings, and then you'll also see the reptilian type beings. So, um, and and there's several different races that of, of reptilian beings. There's also the reptoids that are supposedly our biggest enemy here on planet Earth at this time. And they are, um, they stand on two feet, but they look reptilian. And they're, from what I understand, although they could have human reptilian hybrids as well. Uh, so this, you know, this is a very complex game. And a lot of people, you know, some mainstream journalists like, uh, I don't know if you know who, you know, Gordon Duff, he's an editor of Veterans Today. He has actually leaked some of this stuff out there. Um, but then people don't take it seriously. And uh, there's another um, individual whose name uh, I, I don't want to say, but he's a very well-known uh, journalist that always talks a lot about the off-planet element of of the wars that we're involved in and he's also he writes for veterans today so some of this stuff is actually hidden in plain sight where a lot of people just they don't i guess they don't know what to think of it but um we you know we have as much proof as you could possibly want or need um actually right now i'm re i'm re-watching uh what's called project blue book yeah. because uh i i think that it, that you know, series, you, you have to pay for it now, as far as I know. So that's unfortunate, but I am paying for it. Um, but it contains a lot of good information about, you know, the early days of with J. Allen Hynek, who um, I interviewed his, a woman who became his secretary in the last year of his life, I guess is what she was. And her name is Anne. I'm drawing a blank on her last name. Anyway, but there's several, I've done several interviews with her. She wrote a book. She had alien contact. Um, so, you know, the alien or the human alien contact is one-on-one. -on -one. It's also, you know, groups. And it's also with the military very specifically. So it just depends who you're dealing with and who, you know, what they're talking about. Sky, stay down. It's my dog. <laughs> um so she she thinks this is her walk time. So normally <laughs> she's not going to be real happy about this. But anyway, so I, I don't want to just ramble. So you can ask me more questions or. No, you know, most definitely. Uh, we've been talking about Project Blue Book on here. And plus there's a there's a series called The 100. Um, I think there's a lot of truth to that as well. And mm -hmm. to get that reporter when you said you know there's a lot of people that just laugh or think it's a joke is because and, and plus you know you're a part of um the movie industry and journalists and all that good stuff you know that they put a lot of truth in movies but then they make it to where the average person is like oh that only happens in movies so 
it kills the credibility of someone trying to tell truth, like the reporters and yourself. But I think humanity is at a consciousness now that we're we're waking up and we're open to a lot of things. Well, you know, the the military and industrial complex, uh, the deep state is, you know, trying to release some information, but they do it in such a slow fashion. Most people just, you know, they see it like the whole Tic Tac thing. They've, they've played that video over and over a hundred million times. It was on the New York Times, et cetera. It is bringing credibility to everything Camelot's been talking about now for 17 years and other people were not the only ones. Obviously, there's a huge group, you know, sort of referred to as ufology, generally speaking, um, that have been trying to bring the truth out. And they, you know, some of them have witnesses just like I do. Linda Moulton Howe has been very active in this world and this sector. Um, you know, Rick Doty, an agent, you know, for the DIA, CIA and uh, various others. I mean, some of the the unfortunate side of things is that people like Snowden, who could have released information about the ET situation, was in a position to do so, decided, you know, basically, you know, to stay away from it. I think he might have said a few things, vague things or whatever. Um, certainly Elon Musk, you know, he's read in, he's playing both sides of the street. Um, he could any day, you know, he could come forward and tell the truth. Uh, you know, so this is getting closer and closer to the surface, the truth about our the visitation that we're having. Um, that's a nice word for it. In some cases, what is actually outright invasion. Um, and and these are very real things. I was in my article. I talk about the California fires from I think it was last year. So it, these years with COVID are just it's sort of really like two missing years, right? So I don't know exactly what year it was, but recently where they burned paradise in Northern California, this mountainous area, and uh, there was very clear indication of directed energy weapons and 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 an, an incursion by an alien race, Um according to Captain Mark Richards, who is actually in prison up in Northern California at Solano Prison, uh, who I was interviewing during that time. Uh, he was saying that, you know, they were trying to come in through the portal. So they that humans uh, in the secret space program used to try to cr close the portals using uh, nukes, but that this was one of the first times when... Uh, I think it was, he did say the Pleiadians, so a certain group of Pleiadians uh, did help and gave a certain technology to our secret space program so they could close the, the you know, without collateral damage of nukes, um, they could close those those portals. And this is what happens a lot. I mean, and this could be what's happening in Ukraine. So, so I was explaining in my article about Crimea, so it's not just, you know, Ukraine, it's an area and a lot of time an incursion, even like the Vietnam War, which I can get to in a minute. Uh, what you have is portals opening in a certain area. There's a whole group of portals that go up and down the mountains of Iran. I think it's in between Iraq and Iran uh, where they've had they have to monitor the portals constantly. And one of the things with Saddam Hussein is he got wise to the portals. He tried, he believed he was a reincarnation of Nebuchadnezzar. I think they, 
that he, how you say it. And, um, and basically that's why they had to take him down. That's the real reason. Cause he wanted to let in the Anunnaki <laughs> and um, basically the U S is in complete control of these portals and um, our secret space program. So, you know, our technology goes back to the 1930s, just like uh, Nazi Germany. And we brought over the paperclip scientists. They had dealings with aliens. In their case, they were dealing with uh, a group of what appear to be sort of a, I think, a reptilian human hybrid that looks human called the beings from Aldebaran. But they are um, Nazis. <laughs> That's their culture. Their culture is like a top down, I guess you might say totalitarian type of uh, a culture. And they're also, um, they're also being given uh, a lot of land right now, according to Gordon Duff, this is several years ago, um, which is uh, in Africa. And so not only are the Chinese getting some parts of Africa, but this group. So they actually have given away in trade for land off planet, you know, in other planets and in other solar systems to take humans to. So this is, uh, this was depicted in a movie called the event that was a, what you call a mini series. It went on for, you know, so you can still watch it. I think it's available on both maybe Netflix and Amazon or whatever. I think it's free. And so, um, I know I'm jumping around a bit, but I want people to understand how this works, you know, because a lot of people don't understand. They don't understand space travel. They think you have to travel, you know, through the Van Allen belt and get hit by meteors and all this crazy shit. They don't understand what portal technology. Portal technology is like front and center, the most important. It's basically how you create wormholes, how you create stargates establish a stargate um, based on a portal, you know, the, a natural portal usually um, that then gets um, sort of expanded. And I mean, humans can create portals too. And some people think we are portals in a sense. I mean, but that's gets a bit esoteric. So I'm not going to go in that direction right now, but I can say that I did travel with Ashiana Dean. I always recommend her Voyager books and now there's a whole series of videos that someone got hold of, of her talks um, that used to cost a lot of money that are now released. And I've been putting them on my Telegram channel. Um, so you can go to that. Um, you know, it's a YouTube channel and it has excellent, you know, very excellent information all about things I'm talking about. Um, she is uh, downloads information from what's called the Guardian Races that are the good guys that are safeguarding the human, you know, genome here on planet earth, I guess you might call it and um, working on our behalf. So um, not sure. I, I know I'm jumping around. If somebody wants to, you know, drill down in some particular area, then tell me. No, no, you're good. Um, <laughs> Cause I was going to get to when you, you were speaking that like um, earth is, like a honeycomb of portals and the frequency fence that the reptilians put up so we couldn't like fully grow or evolve or whatnot? Well, 
our our earth was already basically honeycombed by uh, the reptilians who did star here as a species they were here before us and eventually you know certain kinds of humans came here and so no we didn't descend from the monkeys or any of that stuff they descended from us they were just you know this is how they make a genome and you know they make all kinds of creatures whenever they start and terraform a planet and and bring things in and such. So that's uh, that's just a fact. Now there were some races that were already more indigenous. It, it depends how many millions of years you want to go back, right? But um, and and then there were the humanoids that came here, and then we were invaded by the Anunnaki, and they tried to basically interfere with our genome and did actually very successfully to a certain degree. And those are the ones that actually stepped down our DNA to so that we didn't live for like a thousand years or more. Um, we're actually supposed to just live um, even in the physical body, if you want to, more or less uh, eternally from what I understand. But uh, the, with all the interference and the interbreeding and so on with various races um, and purposely putting a frequency fence in us and around the planet, uh, you know, uh, to to step it down. Uh, there's, you know, it's very, conf you know, complicated, uh, I guess you might say, physics. But um, this is what's what's really going on here. And yes, this is a matrix, a, a set of holograms, if you will. And you can go outside that, et cetera. Oh, thanks for sharing, Carrie. All <laughs> right, step into some um, other areas. <clears throat> I seen an article that you read up. Why are they removing mandates and the beginning of the end for all the hoax? <laughs> right. So, uh, well, I talk in you know a fair amount of depth about. I've been studying this for the last um, you know since COVID came to the scene. Um. It's two years now, really a good two years, if not more, uh, because it, it actually got started or the bioweapon was more or less released in 2019. But Hello? we've also had the ingredients that are in the bioweapon have been in chemtrails for the last 20, 30 years in an escalating amount. And so we now have, I mean, they could already test and they now people are more and more doing this kind of test, which is to test your food and your water and the air and to see just how much nano is in that graphene. Um, a lot of most of the time it's it's a type of a graphene oxide, which may be this kind of a, a certain sentient oil that is an alien AI. So. What happens is if you, this was in our food and our water and so on, we're all, and it does tend to wash out of the body unless you take the jab and we can say whatever we want, right? Because this is yeah, television. Yeah. Yep. So, so if you take the jab, then you're getting, you're shooting it up. It's kind of like, you know, mainlining anything, you know, um, like anything that's not great for you and then mainlining it, right? And that is obviously causing all kinds of problems. And on top of it, the concoction that is actually all the ingredients that are put into the vax 
are causing, you know, a resurgence of AIDS, for example. There's AIDS virus in there. Um, if you want to call it a virus, it's these are toxins. Um, and I basically go along with uh, Robert O. Young. He is a doctor who has be basically been out there talking about what's called the terrain theory as opposed to the germ theory. Um, germ theory is what the, uh, the, the big pharma uses because it's, it, it basically allows them to sell you something in a bottle and, and has allowed them to put out this nonsense about masks, et cetera. You, you know, you must know, even logically speaking, that nano is, um, is, is super microscopic. It can, you know, it, and it, and graphene nano actually it jumps. So I have a scientist, a NASA scientist uh, that's above black as you might, as I call it, um, who I got information from fairly early on in this whole disaster, which is the last two years. And he basically said that they had discovered five years ago that nano that the nano uh, graphene oxide jumps. And so what happens is the spike proteins uh, and mRNA attach to the graphene oxide and then jump between people and things and, and actually have a certain amount of consciousness. And then on top of it, we've got the planetary and on and off planetary AIs that can influence the graphene to, to, to get the human, if it's in your system, to, uh, to be influenced, to act and do certain things. So that's when you're going to have all of these vaxxed people, the ones that survive now. Okay, so obviously a lot of people are getting health problems and they're dying. So when their systems are already weak or for some reason they, they just have a really bad reaction to this injection, uh, understandably, then they simply die from it. Um, now, this is the numbers of deaths and all of that are lies. Um, so you can't go by any of that. But the bottom line is that, you know, there's so many natural remedies for getting over the so-called, you know, COVID bioweapon symptoms, which are symptoms like you get from uh, what's called altitude sickness. That's the first thing that the doctors started saying. And one doctor in particular, who's a New York emergency uh, physician, whose name I forget and disappeared, by the way, from the, <laughs> from the public uh, shortly after he announced this, but he said he was treating people and that they shouldn't have ventilators. And this is super early on. And like in March of 2020, and he said, and um, that basically they had the symptoms of altitude sickness, which is you have trouble breathing, you, um, you know, you can have flu-like symptoms. Anyone who's had altitude, I've had altitude sickness. So it, it basically, it's also the same symptoms as when you're dosed with radiation. This is why 5G being turned on will escalate those symptoms and, uh, and so on. So again, there are natural remedies in Ivermectin is one of them, but, you know, as far as I'm concerned, um, and even this NASA scientist said, actually, the best thing you can use is a very good quality of colloidal silver is, is, is the best combat uh, to, to combat the nano, uh, the graphene nano 
in your system. So, you know, all you need is to take that once or twice a day, you know, and then it'll be fine. Um, and I think that uh, me and the friend I was traveling with, we got exposed to it um, like in the first, like in late January, early February, I went to a UFO conference in San Francisco. We were traveling around San Francisco and Chinatown and whatnot. We weren't wearing masks, of course, back then. And um, that wouldn't have made any difference whatsoever because nano, I mean, is so much smaller than the masks and all that kind of stuff. So that's complete BS and always was. Uh, but basically, it's just a, like the flu. So I had a two-day flu. I used the normal thing, which is colloidal silver. And I use um, MMS, which is Jim Humble's MMS. But you can also use Andreas Kalker's MMS. Or you can use um, uh, these oxygen drops that are exactly the same thing. It's just a bit you know, watered down. And you can get those on Amazon. This is just my preferred well. I'm not trying to, you know, recommend any treatments here or anything like that. Um, so all I'm saying is that's what was happening. Now, once they made the vax, then they were shooting you up with this stuff. The stuff that was in chemtrails, which there's a lot of poisons and toxins in chemtrails. And so, again, this stuff being in our food and our water, the humans, they had been preparing humans for this what is in essence a transhuman agenda for years. I mean, maybe even 30 years. I mean, this stuff, these, these kind of diabolical operators, if you will, they don't do anything short term. So they plan ahead. And as AI came to the fore, they started using AI to triangulate and strategize the dark side of things. So what we right now we have is a battle between you know, the two sides who are both using AI, they're both using the same tactics of secrecy. Because again, if you don't know the whole thing, how the White Hats emerged, they came along, I believe, even before the, the, um, the death of, of John F. Kennedy. Uh, and they basically had to be in hiding in plain sight. So they created a secret society within the the structure that existed that was being run by the really a Nazi um, reptilian contingent. So in order to stay alive, they've had to be secret up to now. And that's why Q was developed to communicate, you know, through code, the people that would listen and were attracted to listen. Uh, obviously, people that just don't get it, they just they don't even get it today. Um, so even me saying this is just going to go in one ear and out the other. But if you think that our government, you know, was just made up of all bad people, that's just not the case. Um, there were a lot of people like John F. Kennedy who wanted to see things turn around, who knew we were being taken over by the Nazis, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, one of you um, texted me. Sorry, I don't know your actual name. You go Patriot Mike. Is that you? Yeah. Um, you, you wrote you wrote that you were uh, watching William Tompkins, and William Tompkins is an excellent whistleblower who talked all about how our secret space program was infiltrated by the reptilians. And um, I'm, you know, I can say that Project Blue Book is starts to hint at that that the, we were having sabotage. So, on the one hand, we were getting help from the Pleiadians who, by the way, wanted to have, have us 
fight alongside because their age-old enemy is reptilians. Reptilians and Draco are what they call marauding species that go around the various um, multiverse, especially the planets, and and try to take them over. They're you know they're bullies. They they live in a hierarchical, um, top-down system, and they feed off obviously um, humans and and you know human certain human body parts and and louche, as some people call it. Adrenochrome is another word for it. Um, and this is where you get humans with a high degree of reptilian DNA doing the exact same thing that the reptilians do, which is feeding only they feed on the weak, which is children primarily, but teenagers, etc. So this is where the whole adrenochrome highway stuff comes on, you know, comes to the fore on planet Earth. It's always been here as long as those species have been here. And as long as there was uh, a, a sort of a, a merging and a takeover of our genome such that, well, we even have what they call a reptilian brain. So a certain portion of us, like the Bush family and the queen, have a, have a much higher degree of reptilian DNA. And they develop this proclivity to be uh, blood drinkers, in essence, if you want to call it that, Luciferians, Satanists, same thing. It's all, and it basically goes back to, you know, a satanic uh, dark side uh, view. So the vampire, va- how you say it, vamp- vampires? vampires. Mm-hmm. That can come from the, oh, that's a blood it all, it's all the same. It's all the same thing. So they, in essence, you're getting a race to feed on itself. This is a, a very interesting way of taking over a race, right? So it's not going to be the greatest, you know, it's, it's not uh, brilliant, right? For a race to, to be, have that proclivity to, because you're going to weaken the race in the end. Wow. All right. Um, I'll move on. I got uh, two more topics. Um so I seen another write-up that you had on the truckers, and you were talking with, I believe her name was Janine, and um, you were going with the truckers how it could be controlled by white hats and black hats like a Soros, but ultimately it's it's a positive thing to wake up humanity. It's definitely the people, you know, standing up and, and rebelling finally against these so-called masters. And now it's happening worldwide, and I'm very happy about it. But I can say there's infiltration. Anytime you have a movement of of humanity, you're you know whether I don't even you know even if you're going to go down and and demonstrate it at at some local thing, you're going to have infiltrators. And this kind of thing is what the CIA, CIA specializes in. You know, they'll send agents and fake, you know, individuals to what they call rabble rousers, uh, individuals to try to, you know, it's just like the Capitol, um, the demonstration at the Capitol that, you know, all these peaceful people came in. If you watched 107 The Called, you'll see how wonderful they filmed, you know, mile after mile of just peaceful love, you know, peace loving people coming to support Trump and to make a statement. But at the same time, you get these uh, instigators, which was in essence uh, Democrats that were dressing up as Republicans, being bussed in. I mean, that we have evidence of all of this. It's it's all um, on film. 
so and then then you have these these incidents that happen uh probably the agent provocateurs are more instrumental in some of the actions that took place that day in the Capitol. And, you know, all of it was, was supposed to, you know, uh, call Trump an insurrectionist and, and, and all this nonsense, nonsense. So uh, maybe going back to the civil wars, the last time we had such a high degree of, you know, uh, a polarity a split in our country. Uh, but it's, it's very, very profound and, uh, and it definitely is a fight over light and dark and they don't want it to be reduced to like, you know, kind of this old fashioned civil war type war in the streets thing. But the reality is that it's, it's because we're digital and our lives are very digital at this point it's in essence a digital world war and it's escalating and, you know, hitting the streets, definitely hitting the streets. And, and now it's, it's going worldwide with the uh, truckers and because they're like the lifeline of countries in the, you know, practical material reality. So they, they're, what they do has a great impact. And of course they're going to be infiltrated. I mean, I interviewed a guy, um, his name is Peter. Um, what's his his last name? I I I have to get bring my um, website on the screen here because I interview so many people and then I just I I do I'm sort of bad at names so that I forget their names. But um, I don't know what happened to my website. It was here a minute ago. Oh, there it is. Okay, so this guy, um, Peter Downing. Okay, so. This he's a Canadian politician, and it's interesting because as it happened, he was heavily involved in another movement earlier, a few years ago. I think it was 2019 or earlier, called the Wexit movement, which has to do with Alberta wanting to withdraw from the Canadian Union, however you want to put that. And then they also got Saskatchewan to also want to withdraw. Uh, he was uh, he started that organization from what I, I remember. And he there is a woman who financed. Now, I don't know if she was the sole funder or not, but her name. Oh, God. OK, is uh, Francis. Her last name's Francis. And uh, I think Diane Francis, something like that. Anyway, um, the thing is that I put a bunch of stuff on this page so you can get a lot of history and a lot of the links, all the controversy going on. But. He doesn't even know who the Atlantic Council is, if he's speaking honestly on my on my show. Uh, but the Atlantic Council is linked to Soros. And this woman is a, is um, is on the board of directors of the Atlantic Council. They funded the Wexit movement. Now, this is just a normal Illuminati thing to do. It doesn't mean that this guy, Peter Downing, is you know, Illuminati. In fact, if you listen to my interview, you really get the impression that he's a man of the people and basically was just, you know, infiltrated just the way the truckers are starting to get infiltrated. So these things happen. I mean, this kind of thing goes on, but, you know, they are targeting him, Alex Jones, uh, this guy, I forget his name, who did it, did a show, um, he, he's one of the broadcasters on Alex's channel and basically targeting him, him 
it, it looked like he didn't really do all his homework, but I can't say the guy's innocent. I mean, we don't know. I have to take him on face value. When I interview somebody, I ask him point blank and he tells me he doesn't know anything about the Atlantic council. Either he's, he's being honest or he's not. You have to kind of make your own conclusion. So, but that's kind of one of the things happening behind the scenes. Now, I do think that truckers are going to start to be blamed for some of the things that they were planning to roll out anyway. So everything is, uh, you know, your government is out to get you. (laughs) And uh, they have been planning the demise of a certain number of humans for a very long time. In fact, we had a whistleblower very early on, like I'm talking probably 16 years ago, Henry Deacon, um, also known as Arthur Neumann, which is his real name. And um, if you know the last name Neumann, you'll understand that he worked in the secret space program. That goes back to a German uh, last name. And so this is, you know, he was obviously recruited into the secret space program in part because of his last name. Big, tall guy and uh, worked in there for, I think, maybe 25 years or more of his life. Eventually had a crisis of conscience, decided to contact us as we were sort of new on the scene. And he was referred to us by um, a lovely man. And uh, and so we took his testimony and he basically laid out everything that's happening right now. So he says in the future, he didn't know when. But he said, you know, we figured it was going to be 2015 to 2020 around that time. And we were being told this in like 2007. So he said, um, you know, there was going to be, you know, everything like the litany. But on top of it, there's going to be more. So there are more dominoes, if you want, because the uh, Illuminati have been planning this craziness forever. And they wrap So what they do, and if you saw my interview with Leo Zagami, you'll understand that they have a playbook. Their playbook is the Bible, okay? I know people love the Bible, okay? But it's also filled with, you know, it was written by a bunch of white men who were intent to take over the world. So um, I realized that they couched the takeover in in language that, you know, people think, you know, Jesus said this and Jesus said that. Um, The reality is a lot of the Bible, Jesus would never go along with um, and is completely, you know, misconstrued, et cetera. Now I realize there's some good stuff there. So what happens is Leo Zagami, who is a Satanist who was in the P2 Lodge um, and he's out on the circuit, even talking now, I understand he's still around. And basically, in my interview, he talked back then about how the dark magicians, that's what they're called, they're Satanists, they practice dark magic, that are in the P2 Lodge, which is located in the south of France. Uh, And also, they report to the Black Pope, what's called the Black Pope in the Vatican, et cetera, et cetera. So it's it's a complex story, but he basically said the Bible is their playbook, which I already knew, but it was really great to have an insider tell you that and explain how they're, how they use the Bible as their playbook, how they take what people think is going to happen because they think it's prophecy and make it happen. That's in essence what happens. 
So some of the stuff they tried to make happen haven't has hasn't happened yet. They want to have an antichrist um, scenario that hasn't really happened yet. It's supposed to be the Mahdi um, that shows up in the Middle East and uh, is affiliated, I think, with Turkey and certain other countries um, and so on. That I had to have a another whistleblower. You know, I have interviews like over a thousand whistleblowers and and people, experiencers, authors, but all around this story. So for me to connect the dots after, you know, conducting these interviews, and they're always at least two hours long. And sometimes I do repeated interviews with people, get to know them, become friends with them, etc. So uh, there's a, just a huge litany of supporting evidence and witness testimony to a lot of what I talk about. But on top of that, I am an intuitive. I have been since I was a kid. I do have dreams that come true. I connect the dots. I get information. I'm not saying I'm always right, but I'm right a lot. <laughs> Let's put it that way. And uh, so, you know, all I can tell you is Leo Zagami was talking about this and this type of thing. But before that, Henry Deacon, when he was working in the secret space program, he was taking classes in which he, he was being told, you know, they are the sheep, we are the wolves, you know, we're in charge, you know, you're going to do this, that, and the other. And he was involved in, um, let's see, what can I say about that? I have to be careful. Um, let me just say that he worked for our government in another country and that country was instrumental in 9-11. So there, you know, and, and we have written testimony from him that goes, you know, like pages and pages of that. And we also have, uh, I also, he, I, he spoke at one of my conferences. I put on conferences called awake and aware. I'm the one that coined that phrase as far as I know for the first time in public. So I named my conferences that <clears throat> back in, <clears throat> sorry, 2009, I have to drink something. In 2009, I had my first uh, conference here in LA, in the LA area. And then I had, see, I think I did two or three or four LA conferences. And then they, I got attacked so much that I had to stop. And so then I started doing a small, much smaller conference in, well, I did tour Europe with Sean David Morton, you know, the wonderful Sean David Morton. Um, we toured Europe on a shoestring of no money kind of thing, which was sort yeah. of horrible, but we survived and we made a little money. And, but we, you know, we had small, very small audiences, that sort of thing, but it was quite an adventure. And um, then I started doing conferences in England and my former partner or whatever you want to call him, Neil, who has been helping Camelot out since uh, for the last eight years. And then so Bill Ryan and I, we, Bill Ryan was my first partner. He was only with me for three years. And so the whole rest of the time, more or less, I was on my own, except that I met at I spoke at the Bilderberg Fringe event that took place in Watford, England. You can watch that video. If you go to my channel that they've now started to restore my videos on, which is called Project Camelot TV Network, LLC. 
all of a sudden, out of the blue, they started putting my videos back up there. I'm not sure how many are up there. I think it's something like 900. I have over 900 videos, but close enough. You know, it's a good start. And my speech at Bilderberg is there. So basically, that was in 2013. And that's when uh, I met Neil, when I was being interviewed by him and another guy. Uh, I can say that I basically um, was speaking there with David Icke was there and Alex Jones. So there were other speakers as well. Some of the counselors, uh, these political guys were also there. Michael Meacher, for example, is a political, um, I think you call him a counselor. I'm not sure. He's a polit- He's kind of like a political act person who's in there their house of lords or whatever. Anyway, he was talking uh, against the Bilderberg situation because as you may know, the Bilderberg organization is all about the Illuminati meeting yearly in these various places, you know, whether it's Davos, Switzerland or wherever they happen to meet. But in this particular year of 2013, they were meeting in Watford, England at this very posh hotel. And uh, so I decided Within like hearing about it a couple of days before it was happening, I just all of a sudden got this download that I had to be there and I had to speak. So I did. And I happened to know one of the organizers because she had I'd spoken at her venue in um, in London in the past. So uh, I first they said, no, you can't speak. I said, but if Ike and Alex Jones are speaking, I want to speak as well, and I should be able to speak. So I went on when they denied me. I actually went on my Facebook and said, oh, guess what? I want to go speak at the Bilderberg Fringe event, but they won't let me. They say they don't have any room. And then a couple hours later, I got a phone call saying, oh, they just found some open slots (laughs) and I could speak on the Friday and the Saturday and so on. So that's how I ended up there. Oh, wow. And the last thing I'll touch on before uh, we can get to Q&A, because I know a lot of your, um, well, we're all fans of yours <laughs> are waiting. Um, and I agree with you 100% on uh, Dev K's son, um, Mr. Juan. But <laughs> anyway, um, how close do you think we are to the first uh, contact and disclosure? Uh, you kind of broke up there. First contact and what? First, how far away do you think, or how close are we to the first contact and possible disclosure? Or is that nowhere close? Well, we've already had first contact a long time ago. We've been invaded for eons. But um, so when you say first contact, I think you must mean when, the White House uh, announces that we are indeed dealing with off-planet races uh, and disclosure, as they call it. So I believe that, well, it kind of depends. You know, everything you say is like based on the dark side does something, the light side does something, then the other side does something. So it's like a constant battle, a constant switching around. And uh, so... I can't say for sure, but they're working towards disclosure. And by the way, there are certain alien races 
that want disclosure, very seriously want it. And they're very disappointed that we've actually taken some steps backward. You know, we were closer to dis disclosure in the 50s than we are now, for that matter. But the, it, there was a hopeful sign in that they came forward with the Tic Tacs, even though that was the, one of the most, you know, um, cleaned up versions of, of uh, you know, supposedly uh, their technology. There's no guarantees that that's actually their technology. I had one witness who said, no, it was our technology and we were just trying to show up the Chinese. Um, but I think he was basically disinfoing me. I think the Tic Tacs probably are off-planet technology, but we have similar stuff now. We're so far along, according to my witnesses, that it's almost like indistinguishable in terms of the technology now. What we have, what they have. They have triangles, we have triangles. You know, they have, you know, you name it, we have it. So um, I'm sure they have technology that we still don't have access to. I'm not saying, you know, because they've lived, they have races that have been, you know, in existence much longer than even planet Earth, for that matter, supposedly, or at least the humans on planet earth. So that would mean that it's going to be a long time before we completely catch up, but we are at this place, according at least to Mark Richards and a few other of my other contacts where we can put up a good fight and that we have gotten, you know, through reverse engineering and th with the help of the various races helping us, we have gotten up to par so that it's it's a more of an even fight, an even battle uh, for us to maintain our sovereignty here on Earth. So uh, when would they come forward? You know, they according to I, I talk about this, but it's also in the article I just wrote, um, basically saying that one witness, which is Randy Kramer, a so-called super soldier who is a Marine and still is a Marine, who spoke in the Yelm, Washington, which is a tiny conference that I was speaking at. Uh, and we were both speaking at in September of 2019 before this whole COVID thing exploded. And, uh, and so he was basically there with his Marine um I don't know, watchdogs, whatever you want to call them, uh, and went on stage saying that in three, within three years, that the military had gotten sick of having to live what is in essence a split existence because we have the rogue space program that is living in, you know, I don't know, like uh, 10,000 years in advance of where we are on the surface. And so people that work in, and try to have a surface life, um, have a lot of difficulty putting those lives together, you know, as you can appreciate and covering up and all of that. So um, basically he said within three years. So if you count September, 2019 to September of 2022, you will then be at the three year mark, which means that sometime in the next six to nine months, if they're going to do what's called a fake alien invasion, but it's also going to be a real one. So it's going to be like they're going to use holograms and they're going to use most of the battles will, will take place only 
you know, in, on television so that they can deceive the humans into thinking that they win the battles against a race that they are mainly hologram, you know, type beings. Uh, now, I don't know what type beings they're going to use. The likelihood is some kind of beetle-like being that's also in, in you know, the kids play these games where they're fighting aliens in space, like Halo and, uh, you know, Ready Player One and other types of, you know, these kind of cool movies that have been out. So, and games. So that's, that's the scenario that he was talking about. I basically said, well, it's going to be difficult to conduct a fake alien invasion when the real runs are actually here and can also interfere. It's not like they're going to stay out of it. And he came, he got all angry. He came down off the stage, walked, stalked up to my, my, into my face in the audience and basically, you know, kind of told me to shut up. But, um, and that was all caught on film, by the way, in the Yelm conference. Now we parted as friends. I, I actually like Randy Kramer. He's just kind of a hothead, but he is a Marine. He didn't want me to sort of uh, muddy the waters of his speech, you know, but I was in the audience. I had to say something, <laughs> but anyway, so, um, what can I say? That's one scenario. That's not the only scenario. All right. Um, so there's other possible scenarios in which, you know, this Tic Tac thing, they, they, they're making a big thing. Um, actually it's kind of interesting. I'm actually reading a book about, it's written by Harry Reid, the Congress person. I think it was Congress in Congress. It was a Senator. I forget. Anyway, he died recently. But he was very instrumental in the tic tac and get, trying to get all of that. You know, they had this, um, it was a Senate intelligence meeting in June when they were supposedly going to release a bunch of stuff and they released something. But in essence, it was just more, more cover up. Um, it really didn't go anywhere. Uh, do you remember this? Or did you even know about it? Anyway, there's a book called. It's called Skinwalkers at the Pentagon. I do highly recommend it because it's not just about this thing, A-tip, where you get this guy, um, Lou Elizondo, who's a spokesperson for this group that, uh, you know, basically comes forward and, and kind of talks. He's a smooth talker, but he's actually not telling the whole truth at all. And there's there's a whole group. This group, you know, uh, to the Stars Academy, same players are, are behind this, same players t behind, you know, the Bigelow Ranch, you know, the Skinwalker Ranch in Utah. And I think it's Utah or is it Idaho, whatever. And uh, and so on. So there's link ups between the aliens that are wreaking havoc in that ranch, you know, in that area of, of the states that's a similar situation. And what they found, I'm just telling you what's in the book, um, is, is that anyone who went to the ranch would start, would take that paranormal crazy stuff that happened to them there back home with them. It didn't matter where they lived and they would start having stuff, paranormal stuff happen in their everyday lives. And it got really bad. And some of the people, you know, just got, completely paranoid over it. 
but it's basically what I call gray ET fun, fun and games. Uh, I also interviewed a guy named John Edwards who lived on a similar type ranch that had all these paranormal things happening in Arizona. I've done many videos. I even have, we even caught um, some aliens in the video, which I have a short, you know, little tiny segment that shows these little gray aliens looking around the corner. They were caught just like here. You can see behind me. They were peeking around a corner in the video and you can see it. And um, actually I had like the history channel or somebody bought, you know, the right to show my footage. <laughs> but um, it, what's not clear about those aliens that are in my, that footage is that, you know, they're like typical little gray kind of ones, except one's really little and one's bigger. Um, except that it's very possible in my view that this was a military um, sort of hologram or something that they're, they're not necessarily the real biological beings uh, that are caught on my video, but they were playing around with it. And so, you know, I mean, they're messing with people's heads all the time, but the people who have had dealings with the grays, seen the grays, you know, they've been seen in a million videos all over the world. I mean, and their crafter everywhere and so on and so forth. So they're very active on planet earth. They have been for a very long time. There are many different gray races, et cetera. They're actually a form of reptilian. So they feed on us as well. And that's where they do the cattle mutilations. They take out all the blood. They live in them. You know, they, they live on the blood, you know, all of this. I mean, look, Camelot knows the truth. I mean, I know it sounds crazy. Maybe people don't want to believe me, but we've known this truth for like 17 years at this point. And we just basically went about interviewing as many, you know, very believable military, ex-military agents, you know, you're never an ex-agent, but you know what I'm saying? In other words, people that had direct dealings with the secret space program. So all I can tell you is uh, I did write a book. So I highly recommend you read my book if you want to know more. And a lot of people do like my book. Um, it's called Rebel Gene. And I'm referring to this rebellious gene that we all have that's not active in most Democrats, unfortunately, but <laughs> used to be. <laughs> but at any rate, it has to do with, uh, you know, how obedient you are to your so-called, um, you know, to people that try to enslave you or dominate you or tell you what to do. And I have been a rebel since I, since I came to the planet and even before that. So I can tell you that um, that's why I called it rebel gene. And it, it's, it's really about um, how important it is right now to have, you know, to, to activate your rebel gene in essence. Yeah, I love the way that you conduct your interviews. Um, you're not light on the people. You put pressure on them. The first time that I had you on here, I'm not going to lie, I was nervous. <laughs> um, even the pressure you bring on Juan O'Savin, JFK's son, um, Jr. <laughs> I agree yeah, with you. Yeah, he, he won't come on my show anymore. I mean, he came on once. Uh, I was lucky for that, but... Yeah. He, in fact, now they're not even communicating. He's not communicating with me at the moment. Uh, although I have had quite a few dealings with him. So, you know, 
I think maybe because they're in the midst of battle and all that kind of thing. Although he does take time to, you know, look at cars and have it, you know, other kinds of fun things. But, you know, what can I say? I am considered um, like Gene Decode. I'd be happy to talk to Gene. You know, he's got a lot of good information about how they're going into underground bases and so on and so forth. However, he says, you know, he wouldn't speak to me because I get people to to violate the security oaths is what he says. And, you know, because I have a very persuasive, I don't know, whatever you want to call it. I mean, Bob Dean says I made him a rock star. Uh, he was already on the circuit for years before I interviewed him. But after that, he just exploded and became like a rock star. Um, he's passed on. He was like, we had sort of a father daughter uh, relationship. You know, he, I loved him dearly and he loved me basically and said so all the time. And, you know, we had, but we would still, you know, get into it. If, um, he said something, I wanted to know more, whatever it is, you know, but you, you know, I'm not that tough. I, I don't think, I don't know. <laughs> you sure had me stuttering, but <laughs> <laughs> I did watch that. Uh, you guys had a conference. I don't know if that was in the nineties or whatnot. And he was talking about the, we are trustees and, um, that was very, very eye opening. And he has a lot of information. Um, I would definitely love to watch more videos if you have of him. I couldn't find any, but that one. Oh, there's tons. Uh, so all you have to do is just learn how to use the search. And just search the best way to search on, on these search engines that are like on my website. I have all my videos. Uh, most of my library was moved on to Odyssey after they deleted it off YouTube a year ago. So it's not like it was gone from the internet, but most people didn't find it again because a lot of people are stuck on YouTube. So now that it's come back onto YouTube, you can go to my channel on YouTube. I actually have a few channels, but they only have a few videos because most of them or derelict because I can't even get in there. They've given me too many strikes, whatever it happens to be. But so far, so good with this new one that they started giving back the videos. All you do is put Dean, D-E-A-N, in the search, you know, or even Bob or Robert, you know, it depends how we labeled the video. But there's, I have, God, I have, um, I don't know how many, four or five at least, maybe more. Wow. Yeah, I'll definitely do that. And I appreciate you so much coming on here, Carrie. Um, I, I'm, I'm watching your videos all the time. and Cool. I really appreciate you. Thank you. And now, ladies and gentlemen, we'll get into Q&A. Um, I know you guys have been waiting patiently. So I ask you guys, uh, if you have a question, try to keep it quick. I know we want to chit-chat with Carrie, but... If we can just be polite to the others that would like to get their questions in, um, we'll try to get as many as possible till Carrie yells at us and makes us nervous. And, and then we'll... <laughs> But uh, Kelly will be taking questions and we can start Q&A now, Kelly. Hey, we appreciate you coming on, Carrie. Um, the first one up is our admin, JW, and then... Um, by the way, unmute your mic when I call your name, but right after JW, the truth set you free. So unmute your mic and JW, you're up. 
Hi, Carrie. I'm so excited to be able to ask you a question. Um, Hi. So I, I watched one of your recent interviews with Scott Bennett, which uh, I knew you were asking about General Flynn and Linwood and that whole saga, but I couldn't really get the final take on that. So what are your final thoughts on that? Well, it's kind of interesting. Uh, I think that there, there could be two things happening. I think on the one hand, um, now I've had someone recently came up to me and said uh, that they think, oh, I know it was Fulford, ben, Benjamin Fulford. He didn't come up to me, but he he put it online <clears throat> that he said uh, he had um, dealings with General Flynn. I don't know when exactly. And they had conversations and such. But then when he went back to that, him, like, I don't know, this year or something, he didn't have any recognition or remembrance of having talked to him. And so the Benjamin Fulford thinks that they replaced the real general Flynn with the clone. And so I don't think that's true actually. Um, now I just go on my intuition, but what I would say is that it's possible general Flynn has actually been kidnapped and mind controlled and that he could be, you know, because he's been making some mistakes, what I consider mistakes. Um, so whether they're purposeful or they're, they're actually legitimate mistakes, I can't say uh, for sure. But my take on it, if you want, is that he is, he's a good guy, but he also is, you know, he was brought up in a military system that was run by the Illuminati. All right. So he's, I believe he is a patriot, but he's got some ideas or some overlay that uh, apparently, you know, Lynn Wood's picking up on and maybe a few other people. Um, I, I do know that he did come out on stage and say, you know, that there should be one world re religion and it should all be, you know, a certain kind of Christianity that he believes in. And, you know, that is counter to everything the United States is founded, founded on because we actually, the United States, you know, the pilgrims came here escaping from the tyranny of England that didn't want to allow them to practice their religion. So how he could say that on stage and, you know, and, and even know what he's saying, I mean, that just seems insane to me. So that's some kind of a mental, you know, gap or, or, confusion in his mind, which does indicate that there could be some programming happening. Um, I know there are some other incidents or things that Lynn Wood points to. I'm not so interested in those. I, you know, um, that statement about religion was kind of enough for me to kind of turn off seeing him in the heroic role that he had been sold in. Now, this sort of breakdown between Linwood, Sydney Powell, um, Patrick, uh, what's his name, and uh, and others, you know, I think there could be. This is just a hypothetical. There could be a white hat operation afoot. Now, one of the things that is constantly happening with the white hats, again, they're a secret organization, and they operate in secrecy. And that has been demonstrated time and time again. In fact, it's like pulling teeth to get them to, you know, actually come out and say anything. And Juan is their spokesperson. And I do believe firmly uh, and have tons of evidence 
um, not only my own direct dealings with him, but also um, I have a whole page on my website, which I can show you. Uh, so anyway, all I can say is I think that he, he says the truth as best he can, but again, they're totally in secret all the time. So I think it's possible because Trump seems to operate under, or the whole group, keep your friends close and your enemies closer. So time and time again, we hear about these people that are deceiving Trump and he's, you know, deceived by this one and that one. And you would think these guys are complete idiots. I mean, get a grip. There's no way Trump has made it to this age and stayed alive, let alone John F. Kennedy Jr. being best friends with him. These guys uh, and being part of the White Hats and this whole thing, Q and you name it, there's no way they could be launching a resistance of any kind without knowing basically everything I know. So, and more, you know, very likely because they've got deeper connections with the, you know, deep state, et cetera. Now, Trump came from the deep state. For that matter, John F. Kennedy Jr. in a sense came from it. He came with, you know, wonderful pedigree and of rebellion coming from his father and a legacy that he wanted to live up to. But nonetheless, he was born and bred among the Illuminati families. So when you're in that milieu, you know, it's like you kind of blend in in order to get along, go along, get along. What you really think, there's tons actually of Illuminati who would love to escape the Illuminati, but they can't or they have to stay in secret because they'll be killed in a half a second. So I don't know why people don't get this. So what Trump and the White Hats have, has done is actually masterful. And I have to say that there's no doubt, and at least to me, okay, maybe other people read it differently. I don't really care. I don't think they're deceived, okay, by a lot of these traitors that surrounded Trump. You know, people go, oh, Trump was so misled and lied to by these people. Do you really think that he's that dumb? I mean, come on, he could never even got where he got if he was that dumb. Um, I think they know and they're making deals. This Trump is the ultimate deal maker. You know, they make deals to survive. They make deals with the dark side. They have to make deals with these people. These people are lunatics. They'll kill you just as soon as look at you. It's, you know, or they'll kill your kids or they'll kill, you know, on and on. So in order to survive, you have to make some kind of deal with them for a period of time. Now, eventually you can take the upper hand. It's like, that's why Juan says it's like 5D chess. They're playing it on many levels. So this is where I look at General Flynn and I think, okay, did General Flynn and and Linwood and Sidney Powell and Trump and Juan and the whole group, did they get together? Or did they concoct this idea that they will start to have dissension in the ranks? Because, you know, that way they look weak to the, you know, opponent, right? Which is, you know, that's, um, what is it? Sun, Sun Yat's. Sue or Sun Tzu, Art of War. So they, you know, that's kind of like one of their main manuals. It there's there's a lot if you've read it, and that was required reading in Hollywood when I was working there. I worked in Hollywood for 20 years, so I'm not deceived either by, by 
people acting like they're your friends and then knifing you in the back. That's just so common in Hollywood. It's ridiculous. And it's common. It's super common in politics. So people that don't think dimensionally, you know, different levels, different, you know, actions, you know, don't get it. I get that. But, you know, grow up, you have to start seeing the world differently. So it's perfectly possible in order to flush out the opposition and to get them to sort of send in their, you know, um, I don't know, their, their tigers or whatever to try to, you know, go for the jugular. They will actually pretend that a certain person is a traitor. What does the person do? Then they become approachable to the dark side. So the dark side will send in people to try to recruit them onto the dark side agenda. And maybe in the process, they learn what the dark side's planning. Okay. So this would be, I mean, this is just, uh, you know, if you lived through the 60s back in the day, this is this is just normal um, political, uh, you know, basically, the, you know, when you have a movement and you're trying to, to change the world, you're going to be infiltrated, like I was saying earlier. So this is just, it goes with the territory. So then you have to deal with, you have to learn to deal with your enemy. And you can't just decimate each other because then everyone's killed, right? So mutual destruction doesn't work. So so from there, you have to start negotiating. And that's where it becomes a chess game, obviously. And in the end, you know, as far as I'm concerned, this this we're not looking at a golden age where everything is beautiful forever. Uh, we are looking at bringing a planet that is leaning towards the negative, if there's a barometer, is bringing it back to center. So where there's a more even fight between the light and the dark. Right now, we have been in the dark for a long time. So as far as I'm concerned, that's really what's happening. And that the dark is not going to go away, even if the White Hats win this round, even if they win for a year or two. Listen, you can't kill all the pedophiles and pedophiles have young pedophiles that they are raising up right now. Illuminati kids that they're teaching all their principles to and they're going to grow up to be pedophiles. I mean, I'm sorry. They're going to feed on others and this is in their blood. So, you know, I'm sorry, but we're going to have to deal with this, just like we're going to have to deal with other races who have these proclivities. And, you know, if they're coming onto our surface of our planet, we're going to have to basically stop them from carrying out their normal, you know, proclivities. So this is what we're talking about. It's, it's a very, you know, you have to grow up. You have to understand that we are dealing with something that you can't, it doesn't matter if you kill, I don't care how many pedicles, files you try to kill and throw into Guantanamo and hang them behind the scenes and don't show the main public. And so, and so this is just, you know, I'm not in favor of that. I'm, I just think, look, you can try putting them in jail, but that's not really going to change them. You understand? So it's, it's more having to deal with, maybe you need to actually try to elevate their consciousness, ch train them, change them, 
in a, in a more constructive way. This kind of thing, educate people, educate people so that they don't let their little kids go hanging about with somebody who might be suspect, you know, um, use the real intuition everyone's born with. No, you know, don't go kissing the ass of some, you know, some Vatican priest, you know, who's basically hanging about with kids all the time, you know, use your brains for fuck's sake. You know, so sorry, I get on a tangent Power here, but that's that's all welcome here. <laughs> anyway, that's uh, I, I forget even the question, but it was sort of about you know, is General Flynn who he, is he, and and so on. So my point being, okay, look, as far as I'm concerned, uh, you know, I've said this on the record already. I always saw Mike Pence from the minute I saw him like that. I knew he was a pedophile. Okay. Then, you know, everyone thought he was wonderful. And then a year goes by or whatever fucking. And then that's now people are, are like, oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, huh. back then, nobody thought so. Um, I'm sorry, you know, but if you really have good intuition, you do get stuff like that. You, you don't have to think about it. Um, Utsava is a psychic that I interviewed. I think she's a very good psychic. I think she's often correct. Uh, so she has very good intuition and insight. There are others out there, you know, that are like, like this. Um, so, you know, you just have to kind of pick and choose and, and go on your, what resonates. And if something doesn't, you know, or something seems off, listen, but if you think that Trump and his whole operation are not working with psychics and, and intuitives and to say nothing about the AI, um, you know, in other words, they get it. They've got the information. It's how they act, what they do with it, that, that, that deceives, you know, people and, and their opponent, at least they think it does. I'm kind of of the opinion, if you really want to get down to it, that, you know, how it is that, chess moves are known ahead and that if they do something, we do something. It's, it's predictable in the game, this war, even war in general is kind of predictable and the light will win. I mean, that's a guaranteed and the dark knows this. Okay. They just want to make it last as long as they, they possibly can. And they're completely focused on the material realm. And this is, you know, they're undoing as well. So well, I don't know how many more questions you can take. We have quite a big list. So members, <laughs> so members, just be uh, mindful. Leave it to one question. Uh, also, raise your hand so we can unmute your mic and um, so we know where you're at. We have a list. Oh, our next person is going to be the truth set you free. Then Mel Z. And then uh, G G O M E G E O M E. Okay, so first, the truth set you free. Then second, Melzy, and then third, J E O M E, or is it Jerome? I appreciate Jerome. it. And you're next. The truth set you free. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, Carrie. How are you? Hi, I'm good. Thank you. Good. Okay, so I have a question. Um, I get. Oh, I guess we'll go back to 
Bill Brockbrader, AKA Bill Woods. Um, so um, your infamous interview, you know, the looking glass. <laughs> and so I had ran across um, recently some other videos and whatnot. And, you know, we know that he has, you know, kind of disappeared. Um, I mean, I've got some thoughts on that, but do you think that he is helping the White Hats? Um, I mean, he's very... Uh, well, I think he intended to, uh, you know, his, he's got quite a saga. I mean, he had a relationship with a young uh, girl who was uh, actually her, um, from what I understand, her parents were consenting and so was his uh, parents back in the day. But I think she was 13, if I remember the age, but I could have that off a little, you know, she could be 14. I don't remember. Uh, but at any rate, uh she, he was never put up on charges. And at the time he was like, I don't know, like 25 or something. He wasn't like, he wasn't like a 50 year old man. He was a young man himself. Uh, so they had actually a relationship that went on for a while, maybe six months or so. And uh, so it was consensual and he was never put on charges or anything back then. But when he got in the military and then he went against their orders um, in Iraq, as the story goes, as he tells it, which is quite, you know, stunning, uh, when he was supposed to basically decimate with a missile a Kurdish village and decided to redirect the missile on purpose so it hit a mountain instead of the people, um, they threw him in the brig, as they call it, I guess, and basically uh, then brought him in for mind control for, I don't know, weeks, maybe actually it was, I think, at least a month, maybe longer. And uh, then they put him out, I guess, in, and then he was set free. Uh, you know, I think he left him. Maybe he had a, a discharge of some kind. I forget exactly what it was. It's been a long time. Um so I don't remember if it was dishonorable or what it was. But then what happened was he went in public and eventually I interviewed him. After that, he had quite a following uh, because he was talking about what he'd learned when he was involved with the military, having to do with look, the, the Project Looking Glass, which is much more explained in terms of my Dan Biersch interviews many years before. I ever did that interview with, with Bill Brockbrader. So, um, but at any rate, uh, a lot of people were impressed with the way he laid it out, which is, in my view, uh, was a little bit of the, um, you know, sort of throwing in a lot of new agey kind of overlay onto the looking glass uh, situation and saying, you know, the timelines was converging and this and that, whatever. So, um, he became popular and then I'm not sure the exact saga of events, but somehow he, he got, they decided to take him down. So they arrested him for his relationship that he had with this consensual, you know, with this young woman all those years ago. It's just like kind of incre incredible, but this is the military does stuff that is like blatantly against the law. <laughs> it's just like, they do whatever they want, basically. So they decided to arrest him for this 
you know, uh, infraction, whatever you want to call that back in those days. And for something he was never taken down and call him a pedophile and put him in trial and, you know, basically, you know, um, take over the trial and, and basically frame him uh, in essence so that they could then throw him in jail and start mind controlling him again. And that's what they did. And in fact, um, I was in touch with him on and off while he was in prison. He was able to write, I think, to his girlfriend, who then communicated with me, if I remember the process, for a time. And one of the things that happened was, even though he was in prison, and he was in prison in Idaho, Unlike what's supposed to be the the law in the United States, like if you're a prisoner, you're supposed to be listed in a you know prison manifest as you know this is your where your prison, this is your name, this is your rank, whatever it is. And um, basically, he was nowhere to be found. So they put him in a military hidden prison kind of thing. So eventually, he got. I think he agreed to go along with whatever they were trying to say to him like he's programming or whatever. And he got out again. Now he claimed after that to have had something to do with Snowden. And I, he may have had some, some, you know, been kind of like a hacker. He may have had some of those skills, which got him in the military in the position he was to begin with, like a technical guy. Uh, So I, but I can't verify that. And I never really interviewed him about that. So I don't know. Um, he basically did weird things. Like he turned against me at a certain point in his saga. He started yelling and calling me names and all kinds of stuff in public and online and, um, lying about me and so on and so forth. And then what he did was a complete about flip and beg me to suddenly support him and help him while he was in prison and so on and so forth. So I think I at that time made might have made one publish something on his behalf or something to make people aware of what how it was happening to him. But I basically kind of backed off the whole thing because you know if you're going to turn on me, I'm not going <laughs> to stay friends with you in essence. Um, so that's kind of the saga with with him. So I'm not sure if I'm answering your question. There is some truth to what he was saying about Looking Glass. But I also believe that to some degree he was, you know, he was kind of weaving it in the direction that he felt it it went. And whether he was correct or not is certainly open to discussion. Great answer. I appreciate it. Oh, I'm sorry about that. So the next person we're going to go to is Melzi. Oh, wait. And by the way, I have people that were attacking me all the time over that interview, constant attacks from these people that are supposed to be patriots. And they're, um, what do you call this? Um, I'm sorry, because I'm not a military person, but you know, um, what is that rank where you're, you know, the kind of, um, I don't know, I'm drawing a blank. What do you, you know, uh, it's, um, sorry. Special ops. No, he was actually claiming to be, oh, I know, a Navy SEAL, you know, like uh, Michael Jaco. Mm-hmm. And as it happened, Michael Jaco actually <laughs> had some kind of dealings with Bill Brockrader in which he agreed that Bill Brockrader really was a Navy SEAL. But all these other Navy SEALs 
who have these organizations started writing to me and yelling at me and threatening me and all this kind of crazy shit um, because they thought he was not a Navy SEAL. He was lying. I interviewed him. Therefore, I was suspect in some way. And um, they wanted, you know, the, the law to be come down on him for misrepresenting himself and, you know, soiling the the name of the Navy SEALs and so on and so forth. But what they don't understand and what is very obvious to me anyway, is the layers you see. And this is part of the problem we're having right now with the White Hats, by the way, and with Trump actually executing anything that they say they're going to do in public, which is that our military is completely uh, fragmented and that some of the military, the right hand doesn't know what the left hand's doing. The secret space is operating on a certain level and the other, the regular surface military, a lot of them have no idea whatsoever. They will deny till they de- the day they die that there is any, you know, really secret space program. Um, to me, it's, it's just beyond absurd, but that is the fact. So how can you, and I even wrote an article about this. How are you going to conduct a war? For example, Trump is the commander in chief. He has, according to Juan, and Juan, Juan does not lie. Okay. So I think it's part of his honorable thing, you know, for being who he is um, to the public. He will not lie to your face. He will evade a question. He will steer it, you know, in a religious way. So you get a parable or whatever, but he won't lie directly to you. So in essence, he says, Trump was sworn in in March, I think it's 15th, or maybe I have the date wrong, um, as commander in chief by our military right after Biden was sworn in, you know, a few months before as supposedly the, you know, president. Okay. But Biden has no control over the, you know, the button, if you want to call in the old days, they called it the button. By the way, nuclear. The nuclear thing is when I, this is what I was told partway through Camelot and I was told by more than one person, look, anytime the military talks about nuclear, they're actually talking about the ET situation, that the nukes are not the focus anymore. They have so many weapons that are so much more advanced than nukes that it's ludicrous. So all this talk about, oh, Iran has nuclear weapons and, you know, it's not the nukes that they're worried about. It's others. It's their relationship with the alien races they're working with and all the technology they get access to. So that's a whole nother story. But OK, so I don't want to get distracted, but I think I'm answering your question. You're so great. We're going to have to have you back. on. We have a whole list. I don't even know if we'll get through it, but we're going to do the best we can. Okay. Cause no, um, you no. know, it's getting late here. And so I'll, I'll go 15 more minutes and that'll be, um, I think a couple hours. Oh yes. And we really appreciate you coming on um, <laughs> next for, yes, I'm, I'm enjoying it. I don't, I usually have questions, but I'm just taking it all in. But the next person is Melzi. You're up. And then uh, Jerome, I don't see a Jerome on there. If you're on, please raise your hand so we can unmute you if we can get to you. And real quick, Dolphin Smile. So Melzi, and then we'll go from there. Thank you. Hi, Carrie. I so much appreciate all your work. Um, 
Thank when you. I was 21, I lived um, in Venezuela and I saw a UFO off the coast and I saw the mothership um, and it, it changed my life. Um, there was also, um, there was a hurricane that was there and I saw a lot of, like I call them scout ships that came out from underneath it. And, um, you know, they were like lights. The, I think what people see the most of the time, because I've seen them since then, but, you know, they go in one direction and then they go in the other. Um, there was a hurricane that came into the coast of Venezuela, which is very odd. And I wondered if it had anything to do with, like, magnetism and it opening a portal for that to come in. Um, yeah, for sure. Missing, I also have missing time. Um, like I went to sleep, like somebody asked me once, you know, like, oh, how did you go to sleep after that? And I said, I got angry because I was like, I knew that they were trying to say, you know, well, did you get abducted? And I thought, well, why would I care? Why would I be angry about that question? Why would I have an emotional reaction to it? Mm -hmm. And the next thing that I remember was being awoken in my tent by military police to evacuate us off of the um to evacuate us off of the beach and um so that kind of put me on a quest of like trying to understand what it was i saw and everything and um and okay. i have studied a lot of things but um oh the last thing i wanted to say is somebody asked me on twitter once about if i could remember they they did like kind of numbers and they said can you remember the date that you saw it and at first I couldn't, but then I remembered about the hurricane. And so I looked and I found the date and it was exactly 7,770 days to 9-11. Um, and mm -hmm. so I never thought, you know, I thought, well, maybe it was there for some reason, but I never thought there might be a correlation between me and like, maybe I was supposed to be there. Maybe they were meeting me. So I just kind of want your insight. There's not many people that I've been able to actually talk about it and get you know, insight into it, um, as you know. Sure. Uh, well, I can say that storms are a very common way that UFOs come in because that's a natural portal. And, and so they, you know, UFOs are often seen coming in on, on a, you know, a tornado, a storm system or whatever. Uh, so that's, that's extremely common. So no surprise there. Um, as far as uh, missing time and so on, yeah, I mean, you probably, you know, it's probably legitimate. Um, sounds like you've had contact. Uh, whether you can remember the race or what happened to you or any of that stuff is another matter. You might, you know, consider if you haven't already gone to going to, a, you know, somebody who can, a therapist type person who can reverse, you know, um, reverse you and so that you can go back and, and, and see what really happened. Um, you have to be careful as to the person you go to and so on and so forth. Uh, so I'm not sure if there was another question in there. Um, if it's okay, we're going to move on really quick. So I know you got to go geo me. Um, He's on. If you want to have your question, we appreciate it. And we'll move on. Very good. I'll be really quick. Uh, gratitude, Carrie. Um, is the mailing address on your website? Will you get a package there? 
Yes. Uh, I, it's, uh, you know, under contact us. Uh, so, you know, there's a mailing address and that I do not live there. I've been stalked. Okay. So don't even think that I live there. Um, that's, no, no. A, uh, it's, just you know, just letting people know that, you know, it's, it's not where I live, but yes, there's I, a mailing. I, Project I, want send, I want to send some sensitive material for you to vet and then I'll probably okay. look forward to an interview. Probably. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Thank Next, you. Dolphin Smile again. I know it's running out of time. We can stop it if it's okay with you. Hey, at Terry. Um, I, I've been listening to you since at least 2011. And I prayed for you when you, we, they had all those fires. And my dad had a fire that was three miles away from his 40 acre ranch in California. Um, and they just need to stop. They just need to stop. Um, Anyway, um, I just appreciate everything that you do and all the lawsuits that you've been through and everything. You have been so strong through all of this. Um, my question, um, I live at Carolina Beach right next to the boardwalk and I have seen a lot like um, McKelsey has seen like um, things coming out of the sky like a cloud and they'll pop out like it's like it looks like an orb um with a halo around it and they'll come on there'll be like eight of them and then they'll go off and they'll be in different places of the sky it's like they're playing games or something i don't know what they're doing i've seen it i i don't even have time to tell you everything i've seen um i've never met anything um but I've seen all different kinds. I've seen triangle ones with lights on them. I've seen uh, trying um, rectangle ones. Um, my question is, how do you tell our technology from military technology? And um, is, well, I'm trying not to push this other question in here. Um, but I wonder if Antarctica is interdimensional or if it's just a place. Um, yeah, I did. I did push it in there. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's fine. Uh, well, both, you know, the the both poles, southern and, and northern, um, those are portals. Um, you can go into inner earth from there. You can also go at, off earth probably pretty easily from there. Uh, which is part of why um, I know at least Antarctica is filled with um, various alien races. And very specifically, of course, it's still the center of uh, what, what was called New Berlin or the, you know, the Nazi New Suavenland or all the different things they've called it. Um, so the Nazis established a, a base there a long time ago. Um, Hitler didn't die in Germany, so and so forth. Um, Yes, Antarctica is a place where a lot of ETs do have hold meetings with whole groups of ETs also because apparently it's um, one of the few places on Earth that isn't completely under surveillance or it's not easy to surveil so that they can have more privacy there than other places. Um, you're experiencing very various craft, um, you know, that's nice. <laughs> it's common. I mean, I think it's very common now. So I think that's fine. Um, you want to know if they're ours or theirs kind of thing, which is a common question. 
And uh, my my sort of way of operating is to operating on a on a operate in that regard on an intuitive level. Now I have had sightings, I, a lot of sightings. I was abducted when I was a kid. I've talked about this on various interviews. If you haven't seen or, or heard that, um, I can tell you that one of my sightings is on film on my, you know, it's back on my YouTube channel that you can go watch. Um, and it, I was in Switzerland near Lake Geneva. That's back when I was with Bill and he went out to a meeting very late at night. And I was in this little tiny French town. We were staying in this little super funky um, downstairs storefront, you know, where we were basically kind of renting it for, I don't know, a week or two or whatever we were there for and doing interviews there in that general vicinity. And um, so what happened was late at night, he, he was a, not back yet, but I got, I felt to come, come, I was compelled to walk outside. Now in Europe, it was in summer and people were still walking up and down the streets. It had these little cobblestone old fashioned street. And um, I don't know why, but I looked up and I saw this amazing, I call it a pie shape um, vehicle. And um, it was huge. And it was basically kind of covering most of the you know, above the street between the two sides of the building, you know, buildings are along both sides. It's like this old fashioned town. And I was looking around and nobody seemed to notice it. And I, I was just psychically aware that what I saw was both humans and reptilians in this craft. And it very silently went over the, the town and then moved on. And then when I, um, when Bill actually came home so shortly after that, and then he wanted to film me because I was saying, oh, I just saw this amazing UFO. So um, he did film me, and, and that's the video that you'll see. You'll see that <laughs> I look like I just woke up or something in it. <laughs> I don't have any makeup or anything. But <laughs> anyway, no. So I um, that then I, we found out in the area not only is there a huge underground base under Lake Geneva, you know, and that's where they're doing CERN, et cetera, now and all that. But what also is that there are lots and lots of triangular, that was a triangular like pie shaped type, but that kind of craft, tons of them are seen sightings are all around Lake Geneva. So it was interesting to find out that what I saw was very common in what people were seeing in that area. So um, what was I trying to say about that? Basically just saying, you know, you have to use your intuition to decide if it's ours or theirs. It doesn't mean you're going to be right. doesn't mean you're going to be wrong. I mean, everything is like that. And by the way, the military watches people that have contact because a lot of us are getting more information than they even get sometimes. Okay. So they follow us, they, they follow us, they listen to us, they stalk us, they, you know, they even abduct us, you know, to get testimony. So, I mean, I even had a, a thing where they pretended to be doing a television series. You know, I'm always interested in doing TV, but I never do. Although we did have a TV show, you know, many years ago that the CIA tried to take over and our, our producer said no, and it got taken off the 
off the air and didn't go to series, but we have one episode called Shadow Off. Anyway, uh, Shadow Operations is the whole name. Uh, so basically, um, all I can say is that um, I kind of lost my train of thought. So whatever I was saying about, you know, the military does stalk you and does does abduct you and does, you know, they've been doing this for eons. Um, in fact, I think that I was in my lab. Um, that's also in my book. A lot of this is stuff that I say now is in my book as well. So for the person asking the question, you really have to develop your, you know, as they say, your other senses. And you can do that. You can practice, you know, you can say, okay, you know, you can maybe get a vision if you, if you learn to meditate and you start getting, I get visions like little film strips and I'll see a vision of something. And then I'll think, well, what has that got to do with something? And why am I getting that? And then all of a sudden it'll pop up in my life, like a couple of days later. And now, you know, in fact, I just had a vision that <laughs> came true. I kept seeing these, um, you know, these old fashioned kind of cars that, um, you know, are classics. I think they call them classics. And um, sure enough, I watched a Juan video today that he did with um, flyover conservatives. And and he's in a place with classic cars, just like was in my vision. I mean, you know, <laughs> and I don't see those cars normally. So, you know, I get stuff like that. But you have to track yourself, pay attention. Wow. Thank you. Well, thank you. If you don't mind, we have one more and then we'll wrap it up and I'll give okay. it back to Mike. Thank you, Humble. You're up next and then we'll give it back to Mike. Thank you for everything, Terry. And here you go, Humble. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I'll make this really short and sweet. Um, I wanted to kind of circle back around to something you said. Uh, at the beginning tonight that we were supposed to live for like an eternity and they have done whatever they have done to us. My question is based on how can we do this ascension process and do we, like our loved ones who passed, are they at that ascension process um, within that higher plane? so to speak. And then last on that is, I believe Melania is a Pleiadian, but um, if you have time for that. Okay. Well, actually, Captain Mark Richards said that he thinks Melania is an alien and that Melania is actually Trump's link to a certain alien race that's working with his group. So that's kind of interesting. And and that resonates with me. I, I think it's very possible um, because there's a certain quality that she has that is um, quite, um, I'm not sure, you know, a certain composure that indicates uh, that she may be from, you know, another race, uh, another planet. Not necessarily Palladian is what I heard as well. Um, so but he wouldn't tell me what race he thought it was. Uh, the rest of your question was about Ascension. And I do talk about that in my book as well. I've also, um, you know, I, 
I activated my Kundalini uh, when I was quite young. Uh, in fact, 21, around 21, when I was living in New York City, studying acting and directing. And um, I, you know, I read about it and decided to just do it. And so I meditated for months on end. And I had this, you know, I was doing temp jobs, um, actually in the motion picture industry and advertising. And so I, I worked it out. So I didn't work all that much. And I, I had this, you know, kind of low rent apartment, whatever. So I ended up meditating tons because for a while I, I actually was staying in someone's loft where I didn't have to pay rent. And I reached, uh, multiple Samadhi experiences. And, um, you know, I saw the whole matrix melt. I mean, it's, it, you know, I have a whole saga about that. So, and then I've had multiple Samadhi experiences since then. So I, that was a conscious decision to try to reach so-called enlightenment, the, you know, the way yogis do, but I didn't have any teachers, you know, other than I had one book that had some good information that psychically I knew was good. There's a lot of kind of nonsense, you know, <laughs> out there are a lot of, about ascension, I have to say. Um, so in terms of people that have passed on, you know, everyone's on a journey. So you're all on a journey back to source. You come from source, you will return to source. And assuming that you really are human, you are on an ascension pathway. Um, now, you can basically delay that journey or, you know, by the things you do in this life, etc. So um, to progress along that those lines is simply to, um, you know, refine your body, you know, your physical, the various bodies we have, physical, emotional, psychic, and all this, you know, so what can I say? I'm not sure that, you know, your question was a little bit vague. So, but if you're asking if loved ones are also on that journey, yes, they are. Absolutely. And there's tons of information out there about Ascension. You know, you can study it. Ashiana Dean is all about Ascension. Her group uh, is, and it's still operational. Although I have noticed that it does they don't seem to be public anymore. As far as I can tell. Um, I have written a couple times to her. I, I had, you know, have heard back from her. I have invited her again for interviews, but she was putting me off basically saying sometime in the future. But then during this COVID time, I think she completely went quiet as far as I know. But I think she was still maybe doing her kind of the people that were subscribed to her. Um, those um, She was doing everything online, though. She wasn't doing it in, in person. So they're all about going, you know, studying a certain way, what she calls ascension mechanics. I've interviewed her on a six hour interview. It's very well known. Her name is Asha Yana um, Dean. It's D-E-A-N-E. -E. So you can do a search on her last name or if you, Ashiana, which is not that, it actually spelled how it sounds. You can search on my website for her interviews and you can also search on my various channels, which is again is odyssey.com and my YouTube that they're just, you know, that just resurfaced called Project Camelot Portal. Um, no, called Project Camelot TV Network, LLC. Thank you so much. 
And Carrie, thank you so much for uh, joining us. Uh, hopefully we can have you on again. Um, it's been an honor. Um, and I'll definitely be hooking up with you. And uh, wow, it was a great night tonight. All right. Thank you, everyone. It was fun. I enjoyed it. So, you know, we can do it again sometime. And, uh, you know, everybody, uh, you know, have a wonderful journey. And, um, you know, see you on the other side. <laughs> see you in real life sometime, maybe even. Oh, All right. No, definitely. Thank you, Carrie. Take thank care. You, Carrie. Yeah, thank you. Thank okay. you. <laughs>